Definitely at a young age, I was, uh, I don't know why I was a bully. Uh, I think I grew he out of is. that as I, as I grew up. Nah. Uh, I don't really know what the turning point was. Thank God. But then I told, I went back to school and I told everyone at school that uh, Bowie had. Is that his real name? <laughs> That's his real name. <laughs> what the hell? You're exposing little Bo- Bowie? <laughs> Welcome back, podcast listeners, for episode number 42 of Not To Be Technical, our 44th recorded episode. Yeah. It's your boy, Netflix Knopf, and uh, a chubby Charlie. You're still coming <laughs> out here with these mean nicknames, just bullying me. Um, I, I definitely chose violence today for no reason. I have no reason uh, to be this mean. You know what? I, you're right. You probably did it for no reason. I think there's you're a little meaner than some people think. Everyone loves old office, but let me tell you, he's, he's an undercover bully. But like you said, you know, let's try to. Well, actually, I'll, I'll focus on that in a little bit at a moment here. But I want to welcome everyone first. Some positivity. Our 44th recorded episode. We're back, baby. We got some good trending news, uh, some follow ups from previous episodes. We're going to dive all into that. But first, I want to dive in and find out or actually have you all find out what the hell Nafis is like. And I'm going back to this bully story. I, I'm I don't not, like this. I'm not asking you how you are. I'm going to tell people how you are. And this bully thing has started a young age novice. It's my understanding that as a child, the bullying started then, and you may or may not have bullied a child into pooping somewhere he wasn't supposed to, and then bullied him at school with some of your colleagues at the time. And <sighs> is, is this correct? This is a, a very solid recap. Um, <laughs> I'd like to add, I told Charlie this in confidence. So I wasn't really hoping for really many more people to hear about this. Perfect. All right, let's move on along. Um, oh, how the hell mo- are you, Charles? No, I, we're not moving right along, Nof. So I want to get into this. So what exactly did you do to this child? And where, where did this all happen? And then what did you make fun of him for? So some of the things Charlie's mentioned, uh, he's not incorrect about. Um, definitely at a young age, I was... Uh, I don't know why I was a bully. Uh, I think I grew out of is. that as I as I grew up. Nah. Uh, I don't really know what the turning point was. Um, and especially for my short stature, I think most people would think I was the one who's getting bullied, but that was not the case. Uh, I think when I was younger, um, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but you know, I think I kind of like mentally matured a little faster than some people. And maybe it's around having an older sibling and having the same thing happen to me. Maybe I'm just you know, creating a cycle of abuse and trauma for others. Who knows? Um, but in this specific circumstance, there's a, a young, young child, a couple years younger than me. So I think I was around seven. He might've been like five or so. I see. Um, it's a big age gap, very, you know, very formative years between those ages. Right. Yes. Um, and he went to my school um, and, you know, he was living in the neighborhood. He came over. We were, I don't know. We were just hanging out, having fun. We were playing like Pokemon or something dumb. Nice. Honestly, that's a straight up lie. I didn't really play Pokemon then, but I'm just, you know, adding filler, right? A bully and a liar. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you guys, he's not as nice as you think. <laughs> so, you know, at some point, I think, I don't know, we were hanging out in my balcony. Uh, this is like an apartment. And, 
you know, he says that he has to go home very quickly and, you know, that he'll be back soon. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, I just didn't. I was like, what's the issue? Like, uh, you know, like, are you going home for like lunch or something like that? And he's like, oh, no, I have to go to the bathroom. And I was like, you know, I have a bathroom here. And he's like, oh, yeah, but I got to go number two. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine, man. I was like, you could go right here on the balcony. And uh, <laughs> I didn't know it was a balcony, dude. Oh, that's, yeah. that's way worse. The balcony is very visible. I don't think I told you those details. So it's definitely <laughs> on a balcony. Um, a few stories high. And the balcony is like facing other homes, apartments, whatever. I don't even really remember, but yes. I probably. mean, yeah, you were seven, but I'm sure it was yeah. facing a lot of things. <laughs> so at least I feel like the, like so... You know, we have this flower pot. It's like a large <laughs> pot for like a large flower. Um, Naturally. And, you know, I just told him that he could poop in that. Um, and so as you could imagine, he didn't immediately believe in this. He's just like, all right, you know, this doesn't sound right. Smart kid. Um, but, you know, I just kept telling him like, you know, like, you know, I in my culture, like this is what we do. Um, you know, that, yeah, uh, clearly as you can kind of get from context, we're, you know, we're not of the same culture necessarily, you know, and I'm telling him, you know, like, yeah, this is what my family does. You know, it's totally fine in our religion and stuff to just like, you know, poop in this pot and like, you know, <laughs> on the balcony. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey man, it's totally cool. Like no, there, there's no problem. It's like, honestly, I might be offended. You might be offending my family. <laughs> That's you the part that need. gets me. It's like he, he's still probably skeptical. Like, you know, like religion, maybe he probably doesn't barely even know the concept of religion yet. And in the cultural thing. Yeah, no one knows. But you knew that it wasn't enough. So he told to me, maybe offending me and my family. I really just kind of pushed him right over the edge. Yep. Not of the balcony, of course. And then I remember it being very quick, right? Like you could tell he was very skeptical, but then whenever when he made the decision to do what he was going to do, he made it quick. And he was already had his like, you know, pants somewhat down and he just sat on this flower pot and just pooped in it. And I remember being stunned, like as if like, <laughs> how could this possibly happen? Why, why was this happened to be on my balcony? <laughs> I was like, what is going on? As if I didn't like make this whole situation happen. And then, you know, I checked after like he had left. I checked the pot, you know, to see if, you know, he, <laughs> he had really done this. You know, I couldn't do it while he was there, but I checked afterwards and I was like, oh, my God, he really did. He had um, to go. If this was the age of camera phones and stuff, oh god, the cyberbullying would have been terrible. Oh god, that's terrible. Uh, it was not. Um, Thank God. But then I told, I went back to school and I told everyone at school that uh, Bowie had pooped in the pot. Is that his real name? <laughs> that's his real name. <laughs> what the hell? You're exposing little Bo Bowie, young Bowie, young Bowie pooped Where's in the pot. Where's Bowie now? Have you discussed this with Bowie and apologized? I think at one time I tried to find him on Facebook, uh, but maybe yeah. doesn't go by Bowie anymore. Maybe Bowie. So a couple couple questions here. One, do you recall where you were when this happened, uh, when he actually did the act? Like, did you give him his oh, privacy at no, least? No, I was also on the balcony. Oh, very so, good. Okay. Yeah, so this all just happened so quickly. I was like, oh, I was. that's oh, why I was so It really was that quick. All right, and the yeah. second question is, who cleaned this up and how did you explain it to your family? So from what I remember, it was a small poop. You know, he's a small boy. He's a small boy. So he to he toyed with the idea. He's like, you know what? I just don't want to offend the family. Here's a little bit. Who knows? Really? Oh. I don't know. That could have been a normal size for him, but okay. um, yeah, he didn't want to soil himself. And you know, surprisingly, this never came back to me. It never came back to haunt me in any way. 
All right. So you obviously brought it up at school. It came back to haunt young Bowie at school. So moral of the story here, one office, that's terrible. Uh, but two, Sorry. Uh, you're a bully Sorry, and Bowie. you've been a bully and you just explained. I'm not a, bu- a bully now. I was uh, though at one time. You have your bobids. Office has his moments. So I just want everyone to know that everyone thinks I'm the mean one. Yeah. But I'm just the transparent one. No, I'm, I'm a nice boy. You, you're nice. Honestly, you're very nice. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back. You know, I'm just, you know, you chose violence. I chose violence. Bowie chose to not offend the, the family. <laughs> so I think the real nice person here is Bowie. Bowie went against everything he knew and he was taught at that point and really tried to not offend the family. All I'll say is that I'm not a bully, but there's just times that I'll just be real. Wow, Nafis. That's the type of segue I would do, but I think you might want to get into our follow-ups and previous episodes, maybe even some polls if I'm kind of picking up on what you're saying. You're exactly picking up on what I'm saying. But for, you know, I think it was two weeks ago, we had a poll on Instagram. It was for whether people have downloaded the Instagram app, Be Real. 41% said yes. Uh, 56% said no. Uh, I'm actually surprised that that many people said yes. Yeah. And as a quick recap on our last episode, we went over Be Real. It's a new social media platform. Uh, we both like it a lot. Like there's no endorsement. You know, I yes. wish there was an endorsement. I would love to endorse them. Uh, but really all it works, how it works, it's not like a social media platform in the conventional sense, like Instagram, Facebook, something very visible. Uh, you connect with your friends. You need to be invited directly by them. There's not like this easy algorithm to find everyone at once. And once you're friends every day, there'll be a two minute span that you're prompted to post a photo with both your front and your back camera at the same time. Uh, and if you do it within those two minutes, it posts normally. If you do it after the two minutes, uh, you'll be signified as being late, which you don't want to do. It's just, you don't want to post it late, but you post it as close as possible. We all have our own lives. There's no like yeah, there's real like, penalty. It's weird. There's no penalty. And like with normal social media, you're getting sort of that dopamine rush from like likes yeah. and comments or whatever. But there's something satisfying about being able to like take that photo for be real, like in, in that two, two minute time frame, like if you've got that moment, that's to the dopamine. But you're only sharing it with your friends. There's not like someone else can find it. There's no influencers. There's no hashtags. Like there's no way to really truly be discovered or even promote things on Be Real. Oh, well, I mean, there is um well the an discovery option. feed. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a discovery feed, and you have the option to post there if you. I guess you're yeah, looking but to it's be found. it doesn't show anyone with real any algorithm near you. Like it, yeah. it's not a reliable way to actually find new people on there with like any like real cadence or not like uh, intelligence. Um, But for anyone who knows me at all or listens to the podcast, you'll know that I really kind of post on Instagram at an average rate of like once every um, like three and a half years or so. This is true. Um, So what will surprise many people is I've posted at least like maybe like 13 out of the last 15 days on Be Real. And it, it just feels like no pressure. It's fun. It's really just between like, I don't know, like for me, at least my circle, I think I have like 25 to 35 friends on there. And it's just fun to see what like everyone is doing sort of at that same time in the day, if they are on time. Yeah. I learned my friend David was in Peru. I had no idea he was in oh, Peru. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah be, be real. It, it's out there. It really is a real way to connect with people. We do highly recommend it. It's fun. We got a lot of our friends, coworkers, family on there already. But in office, I think 
you know, this is just us advocating for it, but everyone always loves data. I think you have some data kind of showing exactly how big Be Real is. And you're going to, you know, we first talked about this last month, but this is really blowing up now. I think you're going to see it more and more. So since the beginning of this year, their user base has grown 315%. That's a lot. Uh, So like 3x, simple number, which is a ton. So I think they started actually the app in... 2019 of December. So I didn't know it was yeah. that old, but 65% of the growth has been this year in the last you know three to four months. Yeah. And it's gone from, I'm, I'm seeing here from what we're looking at in January, it was just under a million downloads. Then it went to February. They had 1.4 million downloads. And then in the first week of April alone, as of April 6th, they had 737,000 downloads already. So on pace to even you go further there. So if it, I mean, you times that by four, you're talking about like 2.8 million if they don't even see more growth. So there's a lot of growth here. A lot of people are using it. And what I find very interesting is there's really no way to monetize on there just yet. You have users here. I don't even think they asked to like track your data on there. Uh, like one of those pop-ups you see on iOS now. Oh yeah. So, I don't remember seeing that. Yeah. yeah. So there really isn't a way yet to market on there. So it's I'm sure they'll find some type of way. There, there, there needs to be a way to monetize. Everyone does. You know, you got to survive yeah. out here. But the the gist of the platform is against everything that social media advertising and monetization has really utilized in the past. So I'm very interested to see how it develops from a business standpoint. But from a personal user experience, it's a lot of fun. It just is. It's a lot of fun. It really <laughs> does feel authentic and real, like the name suggests. So that's why we keep bringing it up. You know, we'll continue to report on it if there's any cool updates there. But you know, find us on Be Real. We'll have it posted on our Twitter, how to get to us on Be Real. Uh, you know, follow us and we'll accept you if we like you. If we don't like you, you know, we don't want you to see our real post every day. I'll, I'll accept anybody. Yeah, Nafis is, you see, he's that undercover bully. He'll accept you and then he'll he'll bully you to everyone else on Be Real. I, I may or may not do that. I, I think you very much will, but <laughs> <laughs> and we have some proof. I think, what was his name? Uh, the, the poor young boy? Bowie. Yeah, Bo- Bowie. If we get him on Be Real, I would love that. I would love to get Bowie on Be Real. I, I think I can do some digging and find his last name. All right. I would like you to apologize to him, then get him on Be Real. Uh, And I'd also like to get us into trending tech actually right now. Uh, Elon Musk, we talked about in our last episode how he wants to buy Twitter. He had a very, honestly, it was a clever move to buy Twitter. Uh, We went in depth on how that worked. He essentially made an offer uh, to buy all the remaining shares that would make him really the owner, the majority stakeholder, like completely uh, at a value that's very hard to decline if you're financially invested into Twitter. Uh, there's obviously been a lot of people that are upset by this. We were not particularly upset about this. He was originally going to join the board of directors later was not going to join the board of directors, uh, which also would help him gain position into a further stakeholder. So there's been so much developing here, but what I think is really interesting office is right now, the standpoint that we're currently at, and we're recording this on 420, uh, you know, April 20th nice. here. Nice. Yeah, nice, blaze it. But uh, we got <laughs> that's so unlikely. We're, we're just really just not. Yeah, it's, you it's, saying blaze it just sounded yeah. so out of place. It, it felt out of place. You know, it's almost kind of like pooping in a pod on a balcony. It just it doesn't feel right. And I don't care what culture, you know, weed culture, 420. It's just it's not me. And you can't make me do it. But I just said blaze it. So whatever. But people that are saying blaze it now to Elon is actually Twitter. 
Uh, they actually found a way to kind of have a meme option for him. Novice, do you have more details on this, right? So essentially to block Elon from being able to purchase uh, enough shares at 15% or more than that to get like a, a higher, like I guess the largest ownership stake in Twitter, yeah. um, they proposed an option to essentially block him. And that would be to reduce the price for shares for investors to buy by half uh, while making Elon pay the full premium. Um, for investors, that cost would be 210. For Elon, that's 420. This is something Elon Musk would do. In the past, he has often incorporated product names, pricing using 420, 69, other meme numbers. Uh, I think the models of all the Tesla vehicles right now spell out sexy. Uh, so there's a, a lot of different things he does like that that are just like kind of outdated meme culture stuff. But Twitter said we can do that too. So if Elon Musk with this, they're calling it a poison pill, what the investors are doing. Uh, if this goes through the share right, uh, the shareholder rights plan, you know, they'll be able to buy it at that cheaper price, 210, which is half of 420. Elon would have to, or anyone else that were to come by, rather, uh, Elon or anyone, uh, would pay 420 per sale, uh, per and, sh- and share, this which is insane. This, yeah, this isn't specifically for just Elon. It's yeah. really for any like hostile sort of investor that's trying to take a majority ownership stake. In yeah, Twitter. so Elon, as of today, you know, he... He is saying that there are still certain legal, like legally, they can't do that. Uh, He may look into legal action. He also has been touting that he has a plan B if this original plan doesn't work. I don't know what that plan B is. I don't think anyone really knows what that is. Maybe he doesn't even know what that is. He probably doesn't know what that is. He doesn't know what it is. But ultimately, I don't think it, it matters for him. He can sell out of his shares at any point. He's made a lot of money here. I think he genuinely does want to have control of Twitter and make it for what he feels is the best way to have it be a free speech use platform. I, I think there is genuinely, I, I, in my opinion, I think he does have a desire for that, but you can't ignore the fact that he's making a ton of money on this regardless. So it's interesting. We'll report on it when there's any real developments with it, but right now it's a little bit at a standstill and no one exactly knows what's going to happen. Should I buy Twitter stock? I think you should probably buy some Netflix stock actually. It, is that true? Uh, no, it's actually, I mean, well, actually it depends on what you think with Netflix. Uh, that was just me trying to have a segue to our next trending tech topic, oh. which is Netflix uh, stocks going down immensely right now. Uh, they dropped 23% in one day. That was just a couple days ago. Maybe it is on sale. It, it could be a fire sale right now. The company for the first time ever reported that they lost subscribers. Uh, they lost 200,000 subscribers in Q1 of 2022. Uh, so January through March for our non-business listeners, you know, or, or an office rather, just making sure, you know, your fiscal business. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Gary's not here today. So he couldn't fill us in on that. Obviously, you know, that no one would care. No one, apparently less people are caring about Netflix. So they lost 200,000 subscribers in Q1. And this is the first time this has ever happened. So the stock prices changed drastically as soon as they announced this. They were expecting an increase, like their forecast. It, it's hard to not forecast growth like previously with how everything was trending. Uh, but novice, why do you think this is happening? Just from your perspective, I would say on a surface level, I'm surprised, but only because I've. I mean, it's almost like a sticker shock. Like, oh wow, that's a big number, and there's stuff happening. But that's also because I keep no tabs on what's going on really with Netflix. I really maybe see the wins, but 
this loss is kind of surprising. But as far as what's kind of going on in the world, I mean, prices for everything is going up. Like, yeah, this would seem like the logical starting point for people to maybe cut a service. Though I'm surprised it's Netflix. Um, yeah, it, I feel like Netflix is a solid staple service. Uh, it's one. Though I say this, I say this with almost no bearing on my end. I've never paid for Netflix. Uh, I've always used exactly. someone else's account. Um, and I would say, you know, with rising prices, people are going to be a little bit more like fiscally conservative. They're going to be looking at their dollars more and budgeting. And at least for me, I've always kind of kept an eye on my subscriptions. Um, I never keep more than a couple available. And if I do have a couple available, it's because. I've got a family member or something and I'll say, Hey, I'll pay for this thing. You'll pay for that thing. We'll kind of share services. Uh, that also includes Charlie. We also share a couple of services. So I never try to keep too many services on board. And if there's one that I'll use, I might use it for a month. If it's a TV show, then I cut it off. I think that's the the best way to use it because there's no like pre penalty payment or anything like that. Yeah. I think you just touched on a lot of reasons why this is happening. There's what, what I would call subscription fatigue going on right now, where everything is trying to get in or everyone rather is trying to get in on a subscription model, get people locked in for content that they own. Uh, so you have all of these mergers happening with HBO, all the other ones like Disney uh, having their own different mergers. And so now that they have all of this content, they're like, okay, we can put this behind a paywall. We can get a recurring subscription fee, but there's a fatigue. So much of that is happening everywhere. Every company has essentially a streaming thing. If they have any type of content, even companies that don't really have content, I know like Alaska airlines, for example, has a subscription service where like, you know, not that there's a ton of flights here in South Florida for that, but you pay a subscription fee and you get unlimited flights within reason. You know, there's the AMC a list as well, where you can see a bunch of movie theaters. So subscriptions have gotten very popular, but there's always fatigue when there's too much of it. And in the content realm, there's so much, uh, one of the stats that I saw here was that in the past year, uh, 36% of people that responded to a survey said that they have cut or canceled the subscription uh, because of the higher prices that persist and they will continue to do so. So if inflation going up, the subscription costs going up because Netflix too, and actually I just realized this, I think we reported on this maybe a couple months ago, they just raised their prices. Yeah. And they were very transparent about it. You got emails, you got updates in the app, you got like a little thing on your TV. So there was a lot of different reasons why people not only have that fatigue, but they have a visual indicator and reminder of Netflix specifically upping the price and then inflation going on. It's a recipe for disaster for subscriber count. And that's what they're seeing right now. But novice, I think the other thing that you said Uh, is they might have not lost as many people as it looks like, but people have consolidated accounts. You just talked about how you have family members. We share a couple different things. So Netflix is, they've talked about this. There's nothing official yet, but in some interviews, members of their team have said that they are looking into ways to lock down or, or subscriptions, or maybe they'll make it so you have to pay a higher price to have multiple profiles that are on different IP addresses or different locations. And they're also looking into having a free version of Netflix that is ad supported, which doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, that would compete with uh, Hulu. And even though they lost subscribers, that's a huge audience to advertise to. They could get a lot of money if they did that. So I can see a lot of people doing that. I remember I tried the Hulu ad supported platform and God, after a certain... 
They had the same. They had the same ad cycling all the time, and then once you start getting those jingles in your head that you already hate, uh, that's that's when I had the advertising fatigue. It. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's uh, it's there's definitely a lot going against them right now. But it, for the original, for the original question we had here, should you buy Netflix stock right now? Of course, we're not advisors. You know, we, we're certainly not advisors. But if you believe that Netflix will still be a powerhouse. Uh, streaming service, and it's hard to argue that it's still not the best one or the most used one, and that they're going to make changes to combat this, then yeah, this would make sense to buy right now. We're uh, buying a stock that is cheap. There's a lot of reactionary selling to it, and it's gone down a lot. Uh, but I may wait to see official news of things being implemented to combat it. Um. You mentioned it being a powerhouse, and I would say I I think Netflix is the best streaming platform. I don't I've I've talked trash about some of their content in the past about some of it just being like mediocre and just enough for people to be hooked on the platform. But the way it's developed and the way it works, I think is the best. Um, skipping intros and stuff like that. Like I I hate Hulu. Um, the oh, app Hulu is, just, is such a drag to use. Hulu like it has good content on there, but the app is terrible. I mean. What do you think compares to Netflix when it comes to like the platform, how it works, the features it has? Oh man. I mean, as honestly, they are, they've set the bar so high for the user experience. And I would say the streaming quality and also the, the speed of which you can navigate uh, the whole platform, the user experience, it's tough to compare. I would say their biggest competitor, at least in terms of quality and types of content well, Hulu probably has the library that's more similar. I think it would be HBO Max. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, and that's because of their original shows, movies, and especially with all of the mergers and acquisitions they've had. I mean, that's probably their biggest competitor, but still HBO Max, if I had to do a top three in terms of the user experience on the apps, it's Netflix, HBO Max, and then Hulu from those big three ones. So I think that's their biggest competitor, but... I still think HBO Max has some It's got a ways to, to go. Yeah, yeah. I always feel like I'm taking way too long to find something to watch unless I already know what I'm watching. Yeah. And the other competitor to think about too, which a lot of people forget is YouTube. Uh, YouTube has a ton oh, of content on that. there. Uh, you can get movies on there. Uh, it's the second biggest search engine in the world. You have YouTube TV. So if more and more people get content up there, you know, obviously movie studios and TV shows, you know, that's a whole different story. But people may start utilizing YouTube more to consume content when they're in that mood to consume content rather than these subscriptions they've held on to so long. So that's why it's worth bringing Is it up like there. YouTube or like YouTube TV that you're referencing or kind of a mix of both? Kind of both. I mean, because Hulu also has live TV because they're in the ABC ecosystem oh, yeah. now with ESPN and then they just had live TV in general. So YouTube TV is only live TV. Oh, I didn't but, know that. Yeah, but it's a separate service from YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you have YouTube uh, premium. So it's like they they all have the same type of thing. I, I forget about YouTube being that kind of platform. I kind of put it in its own category in and of itself. But if I were probably to compare it between Netflix, it's like between those two platforms, those are the ones I'm using the most. Yeah. I think a good way... You know what? I agree with you. If there were two platforms that I would need to stick to for content, it would probably be Netflix and YouTube. And that's it. YouTube being free, but I would even consider, because I do pay for YouTube TV and I do share that with my parents too. So they have the live TV at their home. I mean, that would be, uh, those would be the two I'd pick. 
That's a hefty subscription for live TV, but just not as much as Comcast or other options too. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. You can cancel anytime, you know, all that stuff. YouTube TV actually has a very good interface for live TV. I got to check that out. We probably have it on our TV. I don't yeah, even know. It's literally it. right behind us. You could check it out anytime. Oh, wonderful. We got one more topic for today's episode. And I think this is something that we can all collectively relate to and be really annoyed about. All the fucking spam calls about extending your car's limited warranty. Oh my God. Honestly, these days, sometimes I call people and like, I kind of started as a joke and I'll be like, hello, is this, uh, you know, Mr. Or Mrs. So-and-so uh, I'm calling about your car's extended warranty just as a joke. It goes over well the first time. Then after I've done it a couple of times, it stops being funny. Yeah. It's just something that everyone collectively can hate, feel annoyed about. And I think everyone is kind of put on horse blinders to like just any type of number that they don't know or spam likely or whatever. And that does affect other people that truly are trying to contact you for something important. But it's there's there's so many issues with it right now and it's on the rise. And this has been something that's been happening at least for the last five years to the scale that we've seen now. You yeah. know, it's, it's but it's getting worse. So you get voicemails, things go direct to voicemail. You're getting text messages uh, the average American in March 2022 got 42 spam text. That's a lot. That's at least once a day, obviously. Uh, and it's that's not even including calls. People just don't have the calls. There's features now in iOS to just ignore every call that's not someone in your contact list. It's a huge issue. And it's something that the government is having such a hard time regulating and cracking down on it, which surprises it me does. a little bit. Uh, and honestly, it's kind of like a pain point for me. So one, the texting thing is super strange. Honestly, it doesn't bother me as much as calls because like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't notice it as much, but the texting has been definitely wilder lately. It's almost like they don't even care anymore. Whoever's doing these yeah. spam things where they'll send a fake text and they're sending it to a group chat of 20 people. As many people as they <laughs> oh, can. Oh, that's right. They're, they are. There's group texts with like some of them are even just only I messages too, which is nuts. There's oh, been I cases. I haven't got one of these, but I've seen that there are people that'll get put into random FaceTime groups and calls, <laughs> like a literal <laughs> FaceTime call with like 20 people, and it's a spam like text or call or something, and it's all automated. Yeah, that's actually funny. I would enjoy that. I got um, <laughs> I got one text where it was a group of 20 people, and then one person was like, "Who is this?" And then everybody starts going back and forth about who this is. And I'm just like, hey, I'm Josh. <laughs> yeah, I've been in those situations, too. I mean, it's like one of the things that you would expect to see on like a social media platform more. Right. Like you have like, you know, Instagram yeah, like Facebook things. or something like. Um, so I mentioned a second ago that it's one of my pain points. So I work a lot when it when it comes to just our business um, and our professional lives, uh, a lot with telephony. And so t telephony, texting, and um, one of the things that's been frustrating is, you know, as a business, we've been having to work with all of our service providers with registering our business as a legitimate business that's reaching out to clients, things of that nature, yep. uh, because our numbers are getting spag uh, flagged as spam. Um, and I have to go through the motions of clearing that status consistently. Um, whereas... All of these other numbers are being spoofed and we're getting called all the time and those aren't being tagged as uh, as spam. And Charlie, to your point you mentioned earlier, people who really are trying to reach out to you are getting flagged as spam. And I was frustrated actually early, like last week where 
I picked up a call from my um, like student loan provider. I had like a transfer to another provider. Mm-hmm. They called me just to check in, see if everything was fine. And I was like, hey, thanks for calling. I'm glad I picked this up. I just happened to pick up the spam likely call. But this is annoying that you're flagged as such. And you're actually an important person that I would like to know you're getting a hold of me. Yeah, this entire spam and robocall industry has really eroded any type of trust you have in getting a call. Because before when you would get a phone call, I mean, you had a reasonable expectation that either one, it was a wrong number. Like that would be like the worst case. And then two, it's important. (laughs) It's it's an important call. Like, oh, who's calling me? Like maybe there was some service I signed up for or something with my bank or like, you know, I'm applying for something, you know, whatever it may be. It's like, that would be an important way to be reached. And then if you did not there, it would just go to voicemail. All that's gone to shit. You can't trust any of it. It's terrible. There's, there's been a, an increase of 32% in 2021 of spam calls and spam text went up 58%. So in 2021, that was first the previous year. So I can't only imagine how 2022 is going to end up at the rate that we're at. It's people are getting also really just are falling for it. And that's why robocalls are still even being done and robotext. Uh, some of the numbers that we saw here from an app we're going to talk about in a moment called RoboKiller, but they estimate that so far since this has all been established, these robocallers and robotext, uh, they've been swindled out of $10.1 billion by spam text. And then it's three times worse of calls, uh, $30.3 billion uh, spam uh, or money has been swindled away from people because of spam calls. So that's hilarious. So spam calls, I'm surprised with. Um, I'm actually not. I mean, so spam calls, I think it, I, I I haven't at least gotten one that has sounded more reasonable to me. Um, spam texts, I think that there is there's a lot of runway there where they can just make it look better. Most spam texts look kind of fake. And if you just do it as basic phishing, like, Hey, Wells Fargo, like, you know, whatever, you have an unauthorized payment or something, click here to check on it. That I could see like my mom falling for all day, every day. She just doesn't check her texts enough for that to happen. But I, I don't know. I think that has a lot more runway to actually succeed in this scamming business. I'm like, who do you think is getting scammed on the phone? Well, Aside from old so, people, that, I guess. so that estimate by RoboKiller, they didn't say a time frame for where that was. I think it's just so far with this okay, technology. Yes, so I agree. So that's yeah. why I, and what you said makes sense. I think right now texts are a little bit more likely because you could even automate just very normal, casual conversation and you can test like which phrases get a better response. And then you can almost have it automated, like pre-qualifying the scam and someone's likelihood to go through with it before a real person, you know, intervenes. So it's very sophisticated, but the same thing still happens with calls. Uh, And I think one of the most popular ones that I think was scamming a lot of people, unfortunately in the older demographic that were taken advantage of was the social security ones. Uh, or IRS <laughs> ones where they call you and you would expect, right. That a government service like the IRS or um, social security, whatever uh, would call it. They don't have a lot of time to personally speak to everyone. So you would have these very straightforward robotic sounding things that tell you immediately, this is the IRS, you know, you owe this needs to pay, pay by this and people not knowing any better would fall for it. So I would say that's probably oh, where the God. majority of those came from. Uh, when anything government's involved, there's a sense of fear. Hopefully by now, I think uh, there's been a little bit of education and maybe trial and error. 
uh, everyone kind of just expect these so much, but it must still happen to some extent there. You know, I'm so surprised. Like, uh, as I think about this more, I feel like my mom would be a solid target demographic <laughs> for a lot of this stuff. Like I know, for example, like when my book, when we get certain mail to our house, my mom gets so concerned where it'll be like, you know, it's like, it's kind of like if you like open up an LLC or something, you get like all these like pieces of mail about oh, yeah, the all business. these fake things to like subscribe to or to have your business. Whatever requires you pay $150 to display this thing in your office. So, like, that you may the or may not stuff. Have. And my yeah. mom always gets so scared. Like, Oh my God, do we have to do this thing that the mail says? And I'm like, no mom, this is like clearly spam. Yeah. I, so Knowing your mom, I actually don't see her as falling for things other than the mail thing, because I think she just calls you and she's concerned to you. But with the, I could just see her <laughs> not caring about what a robotic thing would say on the phone or text. I could see her just right. like, nope, don't care about that. Maybe I'll ask an office about it. That's it. But it, mail, mail um, is real. <laughs> yeah, ma- mail is a real physical thing that you hold. And you can, I get that. That I get like from that perspective. But Everything's gone up. Uh, and you mentioned spoofing before too, which is part of the reason that makes this so hard. And for anyone that doesn't know what spoofing is, a lot of these robocallers are doing this to some extent where they at least spoof or they mask their real phone number behind the area code of your phone number. Or maybe they just spoof random other numbers too. So it's not marked as spam or it's less likely to be. But the one that I think is kind of funny uh, that people would respond to a lot, for, especially when they first started doing it, was when people would get spoofed and they receive a call that looks like it's from their own phone number. I don't know how that would happen. Like, if yeah. I got that, I'd be like, okay, this is easily not real. I mean, I also would respond that way too. Or like, maybe the first time that that happened to me, I thought maybe it was like some weird voicemail thing, you know? Because I remember back in the day, you used to call your own number to get to your voicemail. Like, I'm talking ages ago, like maybe 2009 or something like that. So I thought there was like some weird glitch before, and then it was a robocall, but it happened a few t- more times after that for me personally. But that that's also, I feel like, very lazy of the robocallers. It's like, hey, we just, we have this list of numbers and they probably like implemented some system, however they coded it or whatever. It's like, just take the same number that we're going to call and then make it look like our number. It's just like, hey, maybe just a AB test trying to figure out to see what if yeah, this works. Honestly, kind of, kind of smart. If it works, it works, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> you have to test it out, but a lot of people are getting spoofed by that. Um, the FCC has been working on this, so to speak, uh, really Focusing on the robotext first, I think that's a little easier to start to regulate. So they, they've had a lot of things that have been filed. It's harder for companies that aren't as spammy to actually send out texts now. Uh, yep. You know, whether whatever they're trying to do with their services. And DLC. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're doing something there. But with the call part, I think that's just very hard to regulate. That's probably offshore as well. Uh, a lot of the call centers are the technology hidden behind tons of VPNs and different servers. So there's a lot there. Uh, last year, they started working on a program that's called the Stir and Shaken Technological Framework. Whoa. Um, it is inspired by James Bond, as the name suggests. And what they were really looking to do here was enhance caller ID and, and how that's authorized and in verifying each caller ID. But there hasn't been a lot of success yet. Maybe Some, using Bitcoin. Maybe that, that could help. Bitcoin? Bitcoin. Yeah, decentralized uh, currency. Yeah, to, using you know, the blockchain for voice honestly, over IP. Honestly, there's probably an answer there that just is beyond both of us on uh, how yeah. that would work. Uh, but yes, I, I do think there could be a solution with the blockchain. <laughs> uh, the FCC definitely ain't thinking about that. Uh, so 
essentially with the caller ID thing, they didn't see a lot of success with that early on last year, this stir and shaking thing. And that's when they really shifted focus to robo text. They're like, yeah, we don't really know about the caller ID just yet, but like those texts we could really handle first. So at least they did something there, but it's obviously not working. It's it, we're still getting a lot of texts. It's just harder for other companies to solicit people that aren't like these spammy scam things that are actually trying to do it for marketing. And I'm not saying that that is not an intrusive way of marketing or that that's a, not a positive, but I don't think it is made the desired effect of stopping the really spammy ones that are just really trying to scam people and are completely phony. Yeah, no, I mean, it, that's exactly what I was kind of discussing before. You know, it's just um, companies that are doing outbound calling efforts, yeah. outbound texting efforts, especially the texting side, unless you're re- like, you have to definitely go through the hoops of registering yourself as a legitimate business, among mm-hmm. other things. Uh, and also make sure whatever industry that you're in, you're following along the, the rules and regulations. And what's frustrating is when you are following all the rules on that end, you're the one who's getting marked as spam. But then as consumers that we all are, we're also getting all these spammy calls that aren't always marked as spam. It's just, it's not really working that well. And it's frustrating to see that like there's, I mean, there's progress that's being done, but there really doesn't feel like there's any been anything to show for it yet. If anything, things are worse. So Nafis, what do you personally do? Or is there anything that you think you can do to prevent or lessen the amount of robo texting calls you have? Like, how are you handling it as of today? And- I really almost pick up every single call I get if I can. <laughs> this probably makes me a bigger target. They're like, oh, wow, the open oh, rate wait, on you- this guy is nuts. Oh, so you actually do? Oh, yeah. A lot oh, of the wow. times. Oh, yeah. That's definitely not helping you out. There's a lot of conversations and testing that shows that the more that you answer them, like, <laughs> I mean, it's just data. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's always answering this calls. Idiot always yeah. picks up the call. Yeah, then God they sell it to other robocallers. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah, you can call this dude and tell him about a lot bunch of stuff. And, and Netflix Noff is always picking up the phone. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can even get him to poop in a pot. It's crazy. There's a lot <laughs> of different things, but... There's no surefire way to do it right now in order to lessen this, prevent it from happening. Uh, We talked a little bit earlier about on iOS, you can prevent any incoming call uh, that's not a number in your contact list. So there's probably settings on different phones and apps or whatever you use for communication through your phone number uh, that can help prevent this. Obviously, you'd be giving the risk, though, of missing important calls from people that are not on your contacts and then relying on your voicemail. So it's not a perfect solution, but that's something that's been implemented and really pushed to users because of how much this is happening. Uh, Other people have done the exact opposite of what Novice has said and made sure to never answer the calls uh, or answer the calls and then say absolutely nothing, just be silent for like 10 seconds or so. There's some theories online that that actually works and almost has robocalling t- software flag you as a robocaller yourself. Oh, that's funny. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, so, it's not a bad idea. Um, again, this is not proven. These are just theories that people have. Some people say there's been success, but there's really no way to know this. Like, There's no way to actually have the data and like do a real test and know how it's working. But if there was one thing that I could recommend if you really, if you hate this, if it's something that you want to try to solve for, there is an app called RoboKiller. Uh, RoboKiller is an app that is meant exactly for this. Every single incoming call that you get will kind of be proxied through their system and it's checks against other cases of spam calls 
uh, that they've had. And they've been around for a while now. Uh, they say right now that they are blocking over 1.1 million, not only robocalls from ringing on people's phones that have this service, but also telemarketers too. So if nice. you, yeah, so if you have RoboKiller, that's what they're advertising. That's what they're promising. I've installed it once in the past and it really does. I mean, if there is something that's going to work, it's this for right now where you do install it. I forget what the subscription fee is. You can start with a, a seven day trial here. Uh, and once you start with the seven day trial, you can see how it works. Uh, every call yep. will be filtered through their system. Uh, right now there's a promo where I think normally it's four ninety nine a month uh, as of four twenty. uh, 2022, nice. uh, you could get it for $3.33 per month. That's $40 a year. So really not terrible, but I would recommend trying the free trial. It's called RoboKiller, all one word, and see if that helps you out. If you are getting a lot of spam calls, because it's worse for some people than others, whatever list that they may get put on uh, that are being, you know, out that are out there from telemarketers or robocallers. Uh, this may be a good solution for you. And it's one that's growing in a lot of popularity with how everything's going. If uh, I could cancel my Netflix subscription, I would get this. But you can't because it's someone else's Netflix. Yeah. So why don't you just get this? Because you don't pay for Netflix. I'll have to cancel something else. Why don't you do the seven day free trial? Report back. Okay. I may. Is that Will you do this? Uh, probably not. All right. Whatever. Highly unlikely. Long story short, robocalls suck. It's getting yeah. worse. Not a lot's happening. But on the plus side, you've got us. And if you're enjoying the show, you can give us a five-star rating, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever floats your boat. If you're on social media, get on Be Real. Add both of us. We don't have a not-to-be-technical page. doesn't really make sense there, but you can add our specific profiles. You can follow us on Instagram at not to be technical, Twitter at not to be tech, TikTok at not to be technical as well. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Hong Kong.